Hi, this is Haley Moon, and I'm the author of The Rose of a Big Boss, A Book of Self-Love, and you are listening to Moments of Grace with Dr. Butler. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. Our podcast has been nominated for five SPIN Awards. I would like to thank you for listening and also for your votes to the nominating committee at the SPIN Awards. Thank you all so much for recognizing our moments of grace. And we pray that you have a day of grace. Thank you. This is your host, Dr. Ray Jerome Butler, and welcome to A Moment of grace. Happy to have you here with us on today. I have uh, some, uh, what I feel is some relevant teaching on today. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share with a group of ministers all over the world at a Christian school. Um, and the teaching was so relevant. I, I had some people that, that touched on me to see if it was recorded. It had not been recorded. So I thought I'd bring it to you on the podcast and also here on our YouTube channel. I pray that uh, this teaching is relevant for you at this time. Um, one thing that um, we know in America uh, doesn't matter about ethnicity. I'm talking about all of America. We don't want to separate ourselves. 50% um, of all of our children, actually is 57% of all of our children, are raised without a father in the home. And, and so uh, unfortunately, there's a dire need uh, for people that are looking for uh, leadership and also looking for fathership or fatherhood in spirituality, in their lives, uh, taking up with secular prophets, whatever the course, whatever it might be, you know, we see this in some of the uh, idol worship that we have out of Hollywood and other places. And so we know that spiritual fathering is, is one, of those, um, one of those areas, uh, whether it's a, a coach, a leader, a counselor, uh, and, and people are looking for spiritual fathering. And let me, so let me stop right here and explain when we're talking about fathering for my uh, sisters that might be a little on the women's lib side, we are inclusive. We are talking inclusively about men and women. Uh, so when we talk about spiritual fathering, I won't go through because you're my audience. You're not obtuse. You're not intellectually um, absent of, <laughs> of of understanding. So we won't go through. Uh, you know, every time we say something that we have to quantify by saying spiritual fathers. We're inclusive. It is inclusive, and I'm not going through that um that task of of mental exercise of of appeasing 
a group that has not the intellect to understand we mean men and women. So with that said, um, when we're talking about spiritual fathering, um, the, the teaching that we shared was that there are two groups of uh, two groups of spiritual fathers. And so first of all, let's quantify um, that we are, as a society, we're looking for spiritual fathers. And there's a process, I feel, a processes, processing to uh, spiritual fathering, and that there are two styles to spiritual fathering. Now, these people are leaders, counselors, coaches, whatever they might be in your life, or however you may have them in your life, they're there as guides. They're there to help you along. They're there to be your um, uh, ecclesiastical father, ecclesia, which means spiritual, a spiritual father. So uh, we have two, two, style, two different styles, at least, in spiritual fathering that we believe that there are. And one's the potter, and the other is the sculptor. And so we want to share with you the characteristics of both of these ideologies as we move along. So when you're looking for a spiritual father, you know, just because you're a member of a church does not mean that person is fathering. you. It really does not. Um, but we have to be also careful who we father, who we follow, because, um, like I said, because of these two different styles, the sculptor or the potter, there's going to be some characteristics that in the long run, when everything is said and done, when the final process of you as the spiritual uh, student, child, if you want to call it, I'd rather call you student, um, is at the point that you are the <clears throat> fruit ready to become the tree to bear fruit. Um, you may carry some of these processes along with you if you have encountered one or both of these different um, spiritual father styles. So we want to make sure as we share this, that we share it in such a manner that uh, you have an understanding and that it, it helps you along in your life as you're pushing along understanding uh, the two types of spiritual fathering. So uh, the first one is um, a sculptor. You know, the sculptor is trying to recreate imagery. Um, you know, a sculptor receives a piece of material, whether it's wood, whether it's stone or uh, granite or whatever it might be. And they're chipping away at that um, material. It's trying, he's trying to, he or she is trying to clone form, not functionality. I want to make sure we understand that. They are trying to clone form, not functionality. Cloning form means that they are trying to make or recreate an abstract image that has very little to do with function, making sure it looks good. It's window dressing. It's paint on the outside. Unfortunately, there's not a lot going on on the inside. So they chip away at the inhibitions of true spirituality. If you are sitting under the leadership of a sculptor, some people want to say that they are clones. I've seen in some instances, and we're just speaking truth, you know, I've gone to churches where everyone has to have a title in order for that 
um, sculptor to keep you in place where they can chip away at your uh, inhibitions of spirituality. Um, you can't move without their permission. Um, you know, I've had some, uh, been in some ministries where the, or have seen some ministries. Let me, let me rephrase. Yeah, I was in one ministry that uh, guy had the audacity to try to tell me I couldn't move without his permission. Um, they try to tell you that you can't move without their permission. They want total control. I actually had a gentleman that was uh, part, he and his wife were part of a ministry and I was giving them one of my books and they told me they weren't allowed to read anybody else's material other than the books that were written by their pastor. Um, so here, that is part of, you can't move without their permission, power over one's life. Um, so they have authority. They want to take control, total control over your authority. I've even known ministries where they tell you to bring in your tithe, um, excuse me, to bring in your W-2 or what you have made so they can ensure that you have uh, given your tithes correctly or giving your offering correctly. Again, this is part of having power over you. That's a sculptor's mentality. Um, if you do receive any counseling, it has to be from them. Uh, they will prophesy over you or prophesy over you in order to keep you in place. Because keep in mind, with the sculptor that's different than the potter, he is dealing with material that he needs to stay in place as he chips away at it. He needs it to stay in place as he uh, sculptures it, as he, because any misgivings can cause uh, imperfections in the form, not the function. Um, they let you know that you are lower than them because of, or you may be lower than them because of position, education, or even financial. Um, that person or the, the sculptor is trying to ensure that you are lower than them. Again, they are trying to sculpt you into their image. They're trying to become a legacy of the person, a legacy of the person, you know, and, you know, I guess one of the, um, one of the thing, places we find in the Bible, a sculptor, we find over in Matthews 2, 13 through 18, as uh, Herod the Great was a sculptor. He wanted to be uh, king of Israel for eternity. In fact, he had, thought he would be anyway. He actually had his own children slaughtered because he didn't want anyone else to have the mantle of king of Israel. That's why when um, there was, uh, when Jesus came along, when Yahshua came along, that he had to murder all of the children because they told him that there was a new king that was to arise. And so <clears throat> the sculptor lets everyone know that there is no one else in the, other than them. They are the top, uh, top of the pinnacle. Uh, I would encourage you to read the 42, uh, excuse me, the 49 powers of law, laws of power rather, um, which a lot of leaders use this um, whether you know it or not, in order to control you. Political leaders use it. Uh, some of these so-called spiritual leaders use it as a way to control you, the 49 laws of power. And so hubris is 
self-righteousness and haughtiness. So they have hubris and they are definitely not a servant. So they are constantly telling you which direction you need to go. And when they see that they are losing a grip on you, they will start prophesying or prophesying over you. Not saying that prophecy is not true. That's not what I'm saying. But please, ma'am, please, sir, look at the person who is performing this, um, the, the prophecy or, uh, and make sure that it's true. In fact, the word of God says, if a prophet tells you something that doesn't come to true, true, it was a lie for that person run from them. You have, you don't have to <laughs> sit up under the sculptor. I know because it's a form of brainwashing. It is a form of molding you into what they want you to be and you to look like they want you to look like they like you are little clones of them in fact that's what, what they're all about but then we find over in isaiah 64 and 8 that um uh, the word of god says yet you uh lord are our father you are the clay you we are the clay and you are the potter and we all are the works of your hands and so the potter is totally different than the sculptor. Um, the potter is concerned about function, not overly concerned about form. The, pot, the potter does want to make sure that there are no cracks and flaws on the outside, but it is all about function because he is making a vessel, something that can be used. If you look at the, uh, what a potter does, the clay does not look like the potter. It becomes a vessel. It becomes something that can be used. And, and it is not looking like the, like the potter, different than the sculpture. The sculpture wants you to talk like them, be like them. If you're a minister, preach like them, the whole gamut, that you should be just like them, totally different with the potter. So the potter is not overly concerned about function, not overly concerned about uh, form, but he is concerned about function. Understand the pot, the clay is messy and raw. And so the potter understands that. He understands that we come with our own problems. We come with our own inhibitions, with our own little foibles and, and things that are messed up. We, we come with our own shenanigans and things that have to be worked out. And, and the potter understands that. The potter is intimate because of love and care. So the potter loves what he's doing. When he's molding the clay, he loves the clay. He loves the feel of the clay in his hand. You don't have that with the, with the sculptor. The sculptor has a tool in his hand, but the potter uses his hands in order to mold the clay into what it needs to be. Sometime the clay is going to need uh, uh, number four, the, the, the potter adds to the clay the water, the word, uh, to make the clay pliable. So he uses the water of the word that we need in order to make us pliable, to make us movable, to make us shapeable. Um, more clay, fellowship in the network to expand the clay. So the potter puts more clay to us, puts more things to us to make sure that we expand and that we are sturdy enough when the, at the end product that we have fellowship with one another that we also have networking with one another and love for each other. I've actually had ministers 
that have told me they don't like fellowshipping with people. They don't like networking with people. Well, you know, they, they probably set up under a sculptor or they may be a sculptor themselves. And then uh, heat where it is needed to toughen up the clay. These three processes, the, the water, uh, the water, which is the word, uh, fellowshipping and networking, which is adding more clay and the heat, all of this brings the, uh, the, the, the vessel to what it should become. And then visually, what would the vessel uh, can be? Uh, vis visualize what the vessel can be. He sees what you can be. He mold, he's molding you. He can see the imperfections as you go around and, and uh, not in the potter's image, but to be used by Yahshua. So as we are the, uh, the sheep of his pastures, as we are his, his sheep, and as we are those that, that he loves, uh, my brothers and sisters, we are definitely called to be uh, his workmen. We are called to be his children. We are called to be what Yahshua would have us to be his vessels, to be more about function, not just form. You can look good and have nothing usable in you. And you can have, you know, Mother Teresa, she was so humble and such a sweet, humble woman. I remember when she died at the same time Princess Diana died, this woman who was rich and everything else. And she did some great things in her life. But how many millions of life lives did this little nun from Calcutta, how many lives, millions of lives did she touch by allowing herself to be molded by Yahshua, to be molded by love. Princess Diana, like I said, she made an impact, but um, she did some things that were, you know, uh, a philanthropy and things of that nature, but more beautiful. She was beautiful in all these things, uh, more about being sculpted into what uh, people wanted her to be, where Mother Teresa was uh, more about function than form. And so I want to encourage you, find your place where you can be more about function and form. Find a ministry, if you're not already in one, that can help to mold you into uh, being the ecclesia, the walking, living, breathing embodiment of the church. And I can guarantee you, Yah will love you for it because he is love. So I hope this teaching was relevant for you. I hope you got something out of it today. And uh, as I always say, uh, remember to love God, love life, keep the light on, and we'll see you next time on uh, Moments of Grace, the podcast here on YouTube and also here out on whatever uh, platform you're listening to. And please, please, please partner with us with our Grace Project where we um, uh, refurbish or build homes for our vet veterans and also for the homeless and you can find out more there at graceproject.info. Again, www.graceproject.info. And you can donate there or find more, more about what we're doing there. And again, this is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler. Remember, love God, love life. Keep the light on. And we'll see you next time. Take care.
There is an estimated half a million men, women, and children that are homeless in our country and this great nation each night. Statistics show the number one reason for homelessness is affordable housing. Dr. Butler and his family have started the Grace Project. It is a plan to build clean, affordable homes that will help get these families off of the street. They would love for you to partner with them by donating to this show where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. When you partner with the Grace Project in any dollar amount, you will receive Dr. Butler's latest book. To give, please go to momentspod.com or anchor.fm forward slash moments of grace and hit support. Thank you in advance from the Grace Project.